Welcome to Racing Green, the podcast that explores the ideas, innovations, and influences making waves in the journey towards a sustainable future for our planet. In each episode, we investigate the new challenges, ingenious solutions, and the undiscovered opportunities that lie at the heart of our rapidly changing world. We aim to accelerate a new era founded on optimism and impactful collective responsibility. In our last episode, we spoke with Dan Caesar of Fully Charged and Rose May Lacotte of Change Now, two event businesses championing sustainability across the globe. Today, in this final episode of our three-part series, we meet with Julia Palais, Sustainability Director at Formula E, an international electric car racing tournament about how events themselves can be a vehicle for driving sustainability on an even bigger scale. Welcome, Julia. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I wonder if you could just give us a, a snapshot of what is Formula E? So Formula E is in an all-electric racing series. We race single-seaters. And we were literally the first uh, sport in the world created with a purpose because we offer a very concrete solution to help find a real alternative to transport and mobility through electrification. And the, the reason why we decided to go through a racing series versus another form of action uh, is that Motorsport is a fantastic technological platform to enable uh, the technology to, to be improved, to be researched, and then to be transferred into the everyday mobility uh, solutions that we use. In our case, the everyday uh, passenger cars that are being driven, but obviously that recalls down more widely. So that's why it's it's a very powerful platform from, from a technological perspective. And last but not least, also from a, let's say, an awareness and perception perspective, because when we created Formula eight years ago, electric vehicles were not exactly the most mainstream solutions that consumers were projecting themselves in terms of daily adoption. Yeah, and today, certainly here in the UK, we're just seeing a complete explosion in electric vehicles. And uh, are we going to see one day Formula E more popular than Formula One? Well, the, the reality is that Formula E and Formula One have been created with different purposes. Uh, Formula One is very much an elite sport, whereas Formula E has been created with this purpose to advance electrification. So the technology gap in between the racing cars and the cars that you see on the streets is closer or reduced in a way. Some of the car manufacturers that we have in the in the championship say, such as DS, that uh, long-term innovation within Formula E is only four years. So that means that in just four years, they can introduce already the technology that they've developed in the garage. Whereas it's a very different view and perspective in F1. That's really a race to showcase the max, max performance. Whereas for us, it's a case, to, it's a race to showcase and to uh, support the technological development and advancements that we'll be using in the cars that you and I will be driving today or tomorrow. And how did you get to become a sustainability director for, for an activity like this? Well, I'm a sustainability expert by training and I've studied sustainability in the business environment. I was initially picturing myself working in an, in an industry because that's where, as a sustainability expert, you see you have the most or the biggest opportunities to, to influence and to reduce carbon emissions or to really enhance sustainability as a whole. And I happened to find my first job within motorsport on the supplier side, the, the, the tires, Michelin. 
And then from Michelin, I basically got the opportunity to embark on the Formula E journey eight years ago. So I was really hired at the very beginning of the of the Formula E adventure. And, and since then, I've really been developing uh, from scratch and implementing the sustainability strategy of the championship, which is really holistic. We've done a step-by-step approach, focusing, first of all, on the environmental aspects of the championship and our events, and then making sure that we would work with the whole cities to create some social positive impact. And then very much on the economic side, how we we really weave in the sustainability credentials of the championship within each of the teams and the partners' relationships that we have. And day-to-day job, what does that look like? It's a very varied job. I'm just back from our London EPRI where we were being audited uh, for sustainability event certification. Uh, we are the only motorsport series to hold this ISO 2012 one uh, certification by a third party, so completely an external auditor. And then I spend also a lot of my time sitting down with the racing teams to discuss the sustainability credentials on the championship, but also very much on their own racing teams to make sure that we align and we set up a, a high standard. I also spend a lot of time on the social side. Uh, we had uh, Girls on Track, which is a program that we co-host with our international federation, the FIA, which promotes uh, more diversity and inclusion within motorsport, uh, focusing on gender balance. So I c- can say that there's not a day that looks like the previous one. Sounds like a great job to have. Now, the topic of today's podcast is sustainable events. And, you know, while it's a a racing series, technically you're an events business. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's why we, when we looked for a certification to really enhance and give even more credibility to to our sport, we went for the ISO 2012 certification, which is, again, the sustainability um, events international standard because ultimately we are a traveling circus around the world and we deliver events, motorsport events, yes, but events ultimately. Yeah, and we'll come back to that ISO certification a little bit later. So if you could just give us a sort of a a flavor of of the scale of the events, how many events per year? Well, so, uh, I mean, the, the, size, the size and the scope of the event varies because uh, uh, one of the unique features of Formula is that we race in city centres on temporary tracks. So sometimes we have more or less space to host public. For example, last weekend in London, we had 15,000 fans that were attending each day, the Formula E, let's say, fan zone that we call the village. Plus, let's say, um, I would say hospitality guests and then the people that travel with us around the world. So the racing teams, the partners and so on and so forth. So it's an event that was probably over 25,000 people on site altogether. If you take all the suppliers, the staff and the racing teams together. Wow. So that's that's quite a lot of action, hence a lot of need for sustainable behavior. I wonder if you would tell us about how you've managed to achieve this net zero. Yeah, so we were the first port in the world to achieve net zero carbon since inception in 2020, so 10 years before the recommendations from the United Nations. And it's been very much the result of years and years of, of work in terms of the measurement, the reduction, and then the offset. So we measured since the very, very first race of Formula E back in Beijing 2014, our CO2 emissions. 
And that's through these measurements uh, via life cycle assessment that we got a better understanding of where where the main contributors to a footprint were lying. And that's mostly through the freight, uh, so what we transport around the world with us, and the business travels, so the, business, the people that travel with us uh, to basically attend the races. And we've been putting in place a series of measures to reduce the carbon footprint in relation to that. Uh, one of the most important ones is that we developed a sustainability roadmap with our logistics partner, DHL. And we've uh, taken a, a series of different approaches, uh, ranging from the fact that we're constantly trying to establish a geographical uh, calendar or like a clustered calendar uh, for races. We use a multimodal approach, so not everything goes by plane, but we have different sets that go by sea freight and also a road freight. And then, uh, last but not least, we use biofuels uh, at the moment for the sea freight and the road freight, and we're looking at new and innovative solutions for the air freight. Now, what about the cars? Clearly, they're powered by electricity, and, and that's that's great. Do you have to consider the, the actual cars themselves and, and the carbon footprint of the cars? Absolutely. So the in the in the carbon footprint of the championship, we've been very holistic and we made sure that the the cars manufacturing use and end of life is is basically featured. It's honestly less than one percent of the total footprint of the championship, really? but it's it's so central to the perception that it was important to be very thorough in terms of making sure that we had measured this and we we were completely clear on the carbon footprint and the the key the key uh, contributors to the footprint of the cars themselves. Now, what is important, uh, as you mentioned, is the fact that the cars are electric, but also most importantly, I would say, is that they are powered with renewable energy consistently for each and every single race, because that's how you maximize and you lead by example, showcasing that electric vehicles really reach their, uh, reach their maximum environmental benefits by being powered uh, through renewable energy sources. Uh, and that's very important to us. And that's why we really consistently aim to walk the talk and and charge the cars with electricity, renewable electricity. For example, this weekend in London, we were plugged on the grid because uh, Excel Center has a renewable energy uh, tariffs provider, uh, but sometimes we power the cars with HVO. So this is a third generation biofuel, which is made from waste cooking oils that are turned into a similar chemical product to diesel, but it's obviously a biofuel itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, we charge generators that are then creating the energy that goes into the cars. So what, what are the real challenges to getting even more, you know, sustainability into your events? Well, the reality is that uh, sustainability in an event is, is a race with no finish line. And we continually try and, and strive to improve both the environmental credentials of the championship, freight and business travel will remain something that is a challenge that that we pay lots of attention to. It's also, the reality is that it's also the scope three part of the championship. So it's something that we don't have full control on and we are very much dependent on uh, the reality of the aviation and transport industry in terms of, you know, uh, the state of where aviation is and also sea freight and kind of like a, 
uh, huge boats and container boats and so on. For the rest, we are very much focusing and trying to develop the social side of our strategy and how we can continually impact positively diversity, equity and inclusion through our sports and very much also how we can impact positively and continually children because ultimately children are the most affected by climate uh, crisis and climate change and they are the least responsible for it. That's why we have a global partnership with UNICEF on all their their climate-related work through the Safe and Healthy Environment Fund. We've just recently launched a video with uh, Marvel actor Tommy Dolstone to raise awareness on this uh, pressing issue for human beings in general and, and mostly for, for children. Now, you mentioned offsetting. So to what degree, what, what would you say, what percentage of your carbon footprint is offset? Well, we offset everything that is unavoidable, uh, unavoidable through our carbon emissions. And we make sure that we have a very uh, thorough approach in, in how we offset because offset is still obviously a voluntary market. And we, we really try and take and follow best, the best practices really given by United Nations on, on that front. So we've only chosen best in class type of standards and certifications for offset, uh, gold standards, VCS and CDM at the time that we started purchasing only going for projects that enhance or increase renewable energy generation in the different countries that we've purchased or credits. The geographical split is also very important to us. We have purchased credits in all the locations in which we've been racing to give back to the local community and the fact that we were hosted. And last but not least, offsets that do have a positive social impact and and have a clear impact on the the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. So that's really our requirement list uh, to make sure that the offset is done properly. Amazing. Now this topic of accreditation, the ISO 2121 standard, can you walk us through the steps and the, the hoops that you have to jump through to make sure that your event is best in class as far as sustainability is concerned? Well, the the beauty of ISO 2012-1 is that it's a, it's a real strategic approach. So we've weaving in the sustainability strategy of the championship as part of the ISO 2012-1, let's say, development within Formula E. And uh, it really takes you from a contextual strategic analysis to understand the environment in which you operate, uh, where you highlight also the key issues that you're confronted to that will then really drive you to decide what are your key objectives, your key targets, the key actions that you're taking with a very clear, uh, responsible lead in the business. So that's how you really embed sustainability within the business because you you end up having champions in each of the departments that really are being empowered to push sustainability within their core areas of expertise. So from branding to catering to uh, community engagement and so on and so forth. And, and how, how does the audit process happen? We are audited at least three times a year, so for three different races, by an external auditor that uh, comes on site and reviews both the documentation, but also literally uh, the fact that what we state uh, we are going to do is actually being delivered on the ground yeah. and that there are no correct uh, surprises on that yeah. front. And that external auditor then issues a report that uh, states that we are working in, in accordance to the standard of ISO 2012-1. And it's been five years that we are basically scrutinized through this process. And uh, obviously, this is something that uh, 
we keep thriving to continually improve, but also uh, that that is a, a very good driver to to keep pushing and developing the sustainability standard of the championship. The visitor experience, but also the visitor impact. What practical measures do you take on site during the events, you know, obviously in the planning of the event, to make sure that the impact of the consumers while they're at the circuit are being as sustainable as possible? So the spectator's carbon footprint is one taken into account into our life cycle assessment and is, let's say, very reduced in comparison to other major uh, in comparison to other major events, because of the fact and the benefit that we raise inner cities. So we we are no public parking event, hence we basically encourage and only offer the possibility for our public and our fans to come over via public transport or car sharing system. So it's a, it's a huge benefit from from our event. We actually do surveys to to really understand the proportion of uh, of how people have been traveling to our events, and then uh, their entire journey through the e village, so the the from the fan zone, is is to try and get a sort of. Uh, deep dive into a sustainable future and lifestyle. We phase that from single-use plastic bottles. So they have water fountains that are sponsored by Allianz that we call hydration stations with free water, but also free uh, reusable cups or water pouches that they can take home as, as, a, as a souvenir. Uh, we always have vegetarian options in our uh, food trucks. The food trucks are always local coming uh, uh, from the local area, but also with local and seasonal ingredients. And uh, I mean, that's really kind of like we try and get them a full experience that that looks and feels sustainable to really showcase that sustainable lifestyles are really exciting because ultimately that's the whole awareness piece that we want to send to our fans and to our audiences uh, as a whole. The fact that sustainable lifestyles are positive and, and not doom and gloom as most of the sustainability narrative is, unfortunately, sometimes when you look at IPCC reports or when you listen to the conclusion of, of COP uh, last year, COP26, or the upcoming, the upcoming COP27, the Conference of the Parties of United Nations, there is hope because we have the solutions, the technological solutions to, to make it to climate change. It just needs to be implemented and to be to, to have a, a global uptake at individual and, and also business levels. What else would you like to implement as far as, you know, taking this further? Well, I think that's uh, part of what's next is, is really what we started to do for Gen 3. Uh, Gen 3 is the next generation of our racing car. And it's been really uh, setting a, a standard in the world of racing because it's the first car that has been conceived, racing car, obviously, that has been conceived with the principle of sustainability and circular economy at the heart of the design phase. So we had the learning of the the carbon footprint and life cycle assessment from Gen 2, and we've taken these learnings and put them into uh, the design phase of Gen 3. So everything has a clear end of life, but also we know where the main impact lies and we've been able to uh, insert KPIs and, and mandatory objectives for each of the key suppliers. And for me, that's really the way forward because uh, Formula e constantly says that uh, we are really a mix in between racing and reason, reason standing for sustainability. And that's the best way, the best symbol to showcase that you can get the, the most exciting racing car that is the pinnacle in terms of electric technology and performance and also the pinnacle of sustainability. And for me, that's the way forward. Well, 
accelerating sustainability and you guys absolutely seem to be pole position when it comes to you know, delivering a sustainable event. But also I think what's really impressive is your approach is to really showcase and, and really raise awareness. So thank you so much for joining us here today on Racing Green. Thank you again for having me. And that's all for this episode of Racing Green. Thanks for joining us. This wraps up our mini-series on sustainable events. A big thank you to our three guests, Dan Caesar, Rosemary Lacotte, and Julia Palais. It was fascinating to get a deep insight into the vision of these iconic events and understand the challenges they face in practicing what they preach. These world-class events are an incredible champion of a new era and are paving the way for the rapid adoption of sustainable practices across the globe. These world-class events are incredible champions of a new era and are paving the way for the rapid adoption of sustainable practices across the globe. Racing Green is produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Chris Bristow, Georgina McGiven, in collaboration with the Camden Clean Air Initiative. It was recorded at Serendipity Studios in Camden, North London, with music and sound design by Chris Bristow.